Another two-game week for the Alex. We'll start at Warsaw on Tuesday night. Richard Sandlin thought that was the best start in 11 this calendar year, and they did well to stay in the game and earn a point. Before Christmas, we'd have lost. Stuart Beadle labelled it a good point away from home. Joe thought it was a good start, but then the game got away from us. Thoughts echoed by Jonathan Ditt, who thought the first 15 were great. Then we started knocking it long, and as Tabs and Finnegan tired, we lost creativity. Pete thought the first 15 were like the 2020 squad, spread in around the pitch. After that, it was all Warsaw until the last five. Chris Thompson blames Mike Flynn, saying we got drawn into his style of play. Captain Britain says it's a good point gained, but it was pretty dire and shows how much we have to do in terms of talent and ambition. James Beadle got some comments. Danny labelling him impressive and wants him to keep his place. He thought the game was not bad, not great. James wants to know when we're going to start talking about Nevitt not scoring, but Julie Warren says she's not going to knock him, he gives his all to the team. Trev Griffiths looks at it as another point to safety and being able to give those fringe youngsters more minutes. Colin Higginson says this unbeaten run is making things look better, but we're not out of the woods yet. Moving on to Saturday, Ben Benson said nothing really gelled up top, but we looked good second half. Then let them back into it and a silly red card nearly handed it to them. Chris Mason thought there was one bit of football on Saturday and crew scored from it. Depressing to watch. Mr B thought they were better than us and that says it all about this squad. Alexandra 6077 agreeing, poor performance and nothing for us to get excited about. Alex Smith saw it as two points dropped, three was mandatory against them and we dropped to their level. Andrew Whittingham thought it was a poor performance and the management probably cost us the equaliser. The pitch got a few comments, Ian Perry thinks it matches the team, woeful. There's very little chemistry and some players are still not doing the basics. Robert Carter said terrible pitch, terrible performance, no ideas or creativity. Pablo is worried about getting fined by the FA for presenting a pitch like that. I'll end on Richard Judson. His name is Rio and he dances on the sand. Hello and welcome back to the Railway Men podcast. After a few weeks off, I am back. Uh, a big thank you to Steve, who I thought did an excellent job looking after the pod in my absence. I am joined today to talk through the two games from this week by Tim Robinson. Hello, Tim. Hi, Stu. Welcome back. Thank you very much. Steve Davis. Hi, Steve. Morning, Steve. Welcome back and thanks for having me on. And Steve Dale. Hi, Steve. Good morning to everyone listening. We'll start, as I feel it's right to do so, with Warsaw away. The big news before kickoff was the goalkeeper change. Tim, I'm not going to come to you because I feel like we all heard your thoughts last week on the pod along with uh, Alex and Steve Bennett. I didn't really think you were sitting on the fence in your opinions of what needed to happen, so I assume I know your opinion. So, Steve and Steve, did you agree with the guys on last week's pod? Were you happy to see Beadle get a chance? Well, first of all, I'll, I'll probably I'll probably state that I'm probably the per, the only person um who wasn't on the pod last week who rates the, 
the last goalkeeper in less than those guys. So I've got nothing else to say on that matter. Um, but what, what I will say is I don't, I'd like to know what these so-called coaches' opinions of footballers are if they can't see that Beadle was a better goalkeeper in the first place. He can talk what he likes about uh, having plans to get people in teams stuff like that, but, but the, the reality is this, this guy's a completely different level to the guy that was playing last week. And if he'd have played earlier, I think we'd have had a, a few more points than what we've got at the moment. The answer to your question, it was obvious. You know, 3,000 crew fans considered we needed a change. Um, three or four games too late, but we can't grumble that he was, uh, he was picked. Um, Rumours are arrived that Dave's head has gone um, after something that was said at Harrogate, which I probably don't agree with. However, based on football ability alone, um, Beadle should have been in the team three or four weeks ago. So it was a it was a good tweet to receive on the on the M6 on the way down to see that he's uh, he's starting. How did he play then, Tim? Tim, I will come to you for that one. Get you into the pod. How did he play? Did you think at Warsaw? Yeah, I, th- I thought he did very well. I mean, you know. The clean sheet that the the team got um, was probably deserved one. I thought there was a, maybe maybe a little bit of, of nervousness, but that's understandable for a young keeper making his professional debut. Um, and he, he he dealt pretty admirably with um, with everything Walsall threw at him. I don't think there were any outstanding saves. Um, certainly not like Saturday's uh, game, which I'm sure we'll come on to. But um, yeah, deserved the clean sheet. Did very very well. Good start. I think it shows how how low the bar has actually fallen in that department that you know I wouldn't say people were raving about him but it and I'm not taking anything away it was his first professional performance but he just did the basics and it was nice to see a goalkeeper just doing the basics catching the ball coming out of his off his line to collect the ball and yeah it was nice it was just nice to see a goalkeeper actually doing something straightforward uh, Steve Dell, I'll come to you. I don't know if you agree with this, but I thought it was similar-ish to Arthur Conquo's debut at Rochdale earlier in the season in that he, as Steve has just said, he did the basics well. He made a few saves. I think I would say there was a very good save. I disagree with Tim. I'd say the one he made with his feet when the player was through in the first half was a, a good save, a very good save. Um, but there were also a few signs of nerves, which I think you can completely understand for a young guy making his first team debut in men's football. Yeah, I think it was exactly the same. I think the, the problem we've had with um, Richard's playing over the last few weeks is that he's following a conquer and there's absolute, there's, there's such a divide between them two players. It's unbelievable. Um, and I think Beadle's, Beadle's got the opportunity now where he's he's going the other way where he's following Richard's and anything he does, as Steve just said, looks like he's doing it probably better than what he actually is. I think I think that's 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 the basis we are with it, as Steve has already, already alluded to, that the bar is that low. But that goalkeeping department's concerned that we probably think he's played better than he has. But he didn't make any mistakes. He looked and and his interview afterwards was brilliant if anybody listened to it. He just said it sounds like he's got just totally full of confidence for an 18-year-old. And I would be on the phone if I was Lee Bell trying to get him back next season. Um him and Ryan Finnegan. But the latter I don't think is possible because he's a very, very, very good footballer and will play a lot higher than this level. Okay, let's go on to uh, some of, well, I say, I use the word action loosely from Tuesday night, uh, the Warsaw game. I think the first big key point, and I think it is one of the first things, if you were to watch back the uh, the highlights, is a, a Warsaw penalty shout. Uh, it hits O'Reardon's arm. Steve Davis, I think it's not far from where you're sat in the away end, 
uh, straight in front of Owen and nothing he can do. Right decision by the ref. Play on, yeah. Absolutely. The fact that I'm trying to recall that while you're asking me that question probably says it all. But I, yeah, briefly be recalling that he couldn't do anything about it. It is and play on. Um, I actually, we're probably going to come onto it, but I actually thought the first half an hour is probably the best we've passed the football um, for a long time in that first half at Warsaw. All right, we didn't cut them open, but we looked sort of composed on the ball, um, calm in possession and well, I say it's probably the first well first time in a long long time that that we look like a proper crew side in that in that first half an hour. Okay. Yeah. Just to build on that then, uh, because this was a question I was going to ask at the end of the Warsaw chat, but it feels relevant there. Um I had quite a few comments this week uh saying the first 15 minutes, not the first half an hour, saying the first 15 minutes were really, really good. Then we got suckered into playing their game. One person even compared it to the 2020 side in terms of getting the ball down, spreading it about. Um but we didn't score. So the question has to be, where is it breaking down? What's the, what's the thing that's stopping crew from scoring? Is it the midfield creating? Is it the forwards? Is there no cohesion? Is there a lack of width? Uh, is there a lack of intelligence? Or Tim, what, what is it that you would put it down to? Well, I think it's, it's probably a combination of those things. I mean, I, first of all, I'd agree with Steve. I think this is the most progressive midfield I think we've had for a while with um with Finnegan, Sabiner and uh Wackwe. Um and I think it gives us the best platform to build from. I think the system that we're using with effectively fullbacks as wide men is always going to mean we're not going to have the same fluency out wide and the same ability to create chances from out wide as we would have had say with Dale and Powell and Dale or Powell and Kirk on the wings, for example, because you know you've got two natural wide men there who can go past the fullback either way, can cross, can pass, can you know pick a little through ball, um, and we haven't got anyone in wide positions in this formation. Um, or, you know, I'd probably argue at all um, that that can do any of those things. So yes, you are going to lack fluency in attacking wide areas with two fullbacks playing as as your wide men. That's just the way it is so it's kind of you know what you gain in the middle you lose out wide but yeah on to your other point I, I do think we've got a lack of, of, of good decision makers in the final third um we used to say about Jordan Bowery that he had everything to be a brilliant footballer but his decision making was terrible and I'd argue that that's even more applicable for Dan Adji. um you know it, it, he's very very skillful he can beat a man he's quick He's he's quite powerful. He, you know, he's not going to be a, a hold-up man, but he can certainly, you know, hold his own on in a one-on-one situation. But almost always, and, and, and you know, this isn't an exaggeration. Almost always, he makes the wrong decision. So yes, I kind of think that that is that is something that hinders us. Um, it doesn't help him. You know, that we have got a lack of wide options. But um, yeah, and, and look, you know, it's always going to be the way in League Two. If you get someone that's powerful, quick, can shoot, can dribble, he probably isn't going to be a brilliant decision maker. Otherwise, he wouldn't be playing in League Two. Um, but it, it definitely does hold us back at times. Jordan Barry was head and shoulders above the slot. He used to get a lot of stick for not scoring goals, but he easily contributed 10 goals a season. We'd absolutely die for a forward that could score 10 goals a season in any way now. Without that going forward. 
I think it's something um, Pete Moore said that's similar to what you just said there, Tim, about Dan Ajay. Um, he said he always, he doesn't really look like he knows what he's going to do next. There's never a, a plan of what he's going to do. And it's almost as if every time he tries to do one thing too many or he takes one touch too many and that's where it all falls down. Yeah, it's it's a little bit like he's got a fruit machine in his head with pass, shoot, dribble on it. And whenever he gets the ball, he gives it a little spin and then does whatever option um, lands. Um, yeah, I, I'd agree with what Pete Moore says. I don't think he knows what he's going to do, which can sometimes help because how is the defender going to know what he's going to do if he doesn't know himself? But the downside is that he um, yeah, he passes when he should shoot, he shoots when he should pass, um, and yeah, dribbles when he probably shouldn't. Now, we've mentioned Beadle. To be honest with you guys, I was struggling with questions for this game. So I thought what I'd do is I'd get some of your opinions on the lone players because uh, Steve and Steve, especially, it's been a few weeks since you are on now. Uh, we've said Beadle at this point had played the one game. Um, Finnegan, Steve Dale, I'll start with you. Uh, he's been getting quite a lot of rave reviews from the fans. Uh, people saying he's probably playing a level slightly below where he could be playing at this stage of his career. Is that fair? Is it deserved? Or is it a bit over the top? It took me about four seconds of watching him to realise that Ryan Finnegan is a very, very good footballer. He just looks like a natural midfielder. I feel like with, with half our midfielders, we've got half of them that can't run, half of them that they can't pass, and half of them that you don't really know what they do. And I, I feel like he does. It, I feel like his role's obvious in the way that he, he can keep the ball and he can, he can actually make something happen. And whether he's a level above this level is... A different question, but he's he's definitely a level above anything else we've got. And as I said earlier, I'd definitely be on the phone trying to get him back next season if that's at all possible. Because I just think he's, although he should never build a team around lone players, as we saw with the Conquo, he's definitely something we can build something around. And at least we know what we're getting with him. We've been miles better since he's been in the team. Absolute miles better. It makes you wonder how bad we were before. Again, yeah, the bar's very low. Don't get me wrong, but he's. He's the closest we've got to a, an academy graduate midfielder. He can put his foot on a ball. He can pass it. He's strong. He, he was exactly. He he has actually been a brilliant signing. Fair play to the whoever's pulled him out of the bag because he was exactly what we need. And again, another question: Why did it take him three or four weeks to get in the team when we're when we're persisting with the likes of Thomas and Griffiths, who we've you know we've talked about many times? But why are these players been sat on the bench when they're clearly best than what we've already got? But anyway, that's yeah. another conversation. Agree with everything the boys have said. I think he's absolutely superb. Um, he, he he's the. I can't remember the last player we had in the crew team that got his head up every time he received the ball and was looking to play a forward pass, but he does. Um, he snaps into his tackles, wins a large number of them. He's not afraid to go past a man with the ball. Um, but I know we're still on Tuesday night's game technically, but his his ball through for um Taverner. For the goal, don't, don't talk the about that now. That's literally the only goal we've got to talk about this week, Tim. Come on, sorry, stricken from the record. Um, yeah, look, his, his range of passing is superb. Um, he, he's mobile, he's uh, technically sound, brilliant, brilliant set midfielder. Uh, just to be clear, then, guys, are we saying that this is a better loan signing than Leshabala earlier in the season? To be honest, I don't know if I'm willing to go I... that far. Right, so he's been getting rave reviews and uh, the three of you, I think, are all in favour of that. Steve Davis, I'm going to come to you for someone else uh, who I'd say probably less 
favourable uh, as a loan sign-in, Sean Robertson, already a red card during his crew career. Um, personally, from what I've seen, and I haven't seen every game over the last three weeks, I have been sort of out and about in various places, I don't think I trust him not to make a mistake. And there was one at the Warsaw game where he sort of fell over, and then his way of dealing with that was to handball the ball on the edge of the area to give away a free kick. What's been your impression of Robertson so far? Very green, I think, is probably the, the word I'd use. Um, he's clearly got ability. Um, he's athletic. Um, and he's not scared of putting a cross in. However, I think he's he's been booked in every game he's played, hasn't he? From memory. Um, so, he's definitely got a lot to learn going backwards. Um, would he get in a team ahead of Calvin? Probably not. If Calvin was fit, um, but yeah, he's green. That I think is probably the fairest thing I can say to him. But he does. I do like the way he gets forward. Like I say he's not scared to put a cross in, which I think is the way we're trying to do things at the minute. Um, so I can't fault him for that. But he's whereas Finnegan probably looks a cut above, and he will play further up. I think this is probably his level. To be fair, I thought he had his best game for the. 55 minutes or so that he was on the pitch um, on Saturday. I, I, up until now, I've thought he the same as Steve. He looked really green. And to be honest, he did give away another foul and get another booking early on. But um, I thought he really, really grew into the game and looked very, very promising going forwards and back. I, I like the look of him. I think he's going to be a good player. OK. The last thing, and it is the last thing, I was really scraping the barrel with Warsaw. The last thing I want to talk about is, uh, the, uh, that game, Steve Dale, I'll come to you, is the chance at the end. Now, we had Sambu, who needed to pass the ball to Ajay, who needed to cross the ball to Ainley, who needed to tap it in. At what point did you think that that wasn't going to happen? Where was that move going to break down in your head? Well, the second that... Tim's best friend, Adji and Sambu were involved with it. There's always going to be a decision made wrong, wasn't there? Uh, we've, we've talked about Sambu many times and I'm, I'm really starting to feel sorry for the guy because it's becoming a point now where he's, he's well, we all, we all don't rate him very highly and I think that's been well documented, but he's almost becoming a laughing stock. I, I, I just feel like he's, at the moment, he's in the firing line for now for all the wrong reasons and we could do ourselves just a favour by just never playing him again. For his own, for his own mental health and anything else. I don't know how he, he recovers from this. It has literally got to the point where he comes on the pitch now, passes the ball, gives it away, and people are laughing at him. And I can't remember that ever happening before to anybody, anybody at any level. Steve, uh, what was the away attendance like? It looked not too bad for a Tuesday night. I know Warsaw's about an hour or so down the road, but uh, not too bad for a Tuesday night. For a team, you know, we're not losing, but we're not winning. Yeah, it's, it's 3.50 there. Uh, one thing I will say... Um, and again, I don't know if this is is down to the fact that the bar was so low with Richards, but they really got behind Beadle from the first minute, um, which I think is good considering he was this his first game, he's eighteen. So uh, yeah, it was a good turnout. Um, considering that we took a lot to Harrogate on the Saturday before, um, yes, yeah, only an hour down the road, but a good turnout. It's just a shame that we didn't have anything to celebrate, which is the story of our season, really. But, Okay, last question. Steve, I'll, I'll stick with you, but I'm going to ask all three. Good point on the road. Would you have took that before kickoff? Yes, out of the five games that we had after Orient, uh, that was the, probably the, the one that I didn't think we'd get anything from. So any point away from them is probably a good point. Steve down? 
good result, average performance. You could tell from minute one it was going to be nil-nil. Tim? Yeah, I just snapped your hand off for a draw before the game. Um, very, very happy with that. All right, let's move on to Rochdale then. Um, the, it was the home game against the team that we started the season against. Now, it all felt very sunny and everything was possible back in August. Bit of a change now in terms of atmosphere in the return game and also the weather. I think Graham McGarry used the word bitterly three times before the game kicked off uh, to describe the weather in South Cheshire. Um, Tim, I'll come to you first. It, it does feel different now, doesn't it? August, you know, first game of the season, we won, which crew never do on the opening day. And then yesterday, I mean, it just looked a bit, I mean, even for me looking on the iPhone, it just looked a bit sad and depressing when you saw the state of the pitch for one thing. The pitch is as bad a pitch I've seen in, in you know, I don't know, 30 odd years of, of being a football fan, not just crew. I mean, you know, we always used to talk about the, the baseball ground and how bad that was, but this, this is a disgrace. It's a beach. You know, look, I know there's people within the club whose responsibility is to look after the pitch, and I'm not digging them out because you know, we've got problems with the main stand and the, the amount of sun that gets on the pitch, but something needs to be done. We can't have this every year. It's getting worse and worse and worse. I just... You, we're almost at the point now where we need to just call games off at Gresty Road and play them somewhere else because it's it's just... You can't carry on with a pitch like this. It's nowhere near the standard of a football league pitch. It's a joke. I actually go down at half-time, um, obviously, if you know, I sit in the back of the main stand. So anywhere in the main stand, it looks, it just looks like a sand heap. But I actually went down the front yesterday. Um, and the minute you put your foot, uh, you put any pressure on that grass, everything just slides away. Now, no one's not been seriously injured. Obviously, Finnegan got injured yesterday, but... However, no one's done a serious injury is a miracle because there's no firmness to it. It's just, if, let's say, any pressure on it, it just falls away. It's, um, I actually agree with Tim. I, you could go play my garden. It's a better, my garden's in better nick than that. And it hasn't been cut for months. It's got to the point where someone is actually going to break the leg on that pitch. Uh, they're going to stand on the surf badly or a tackle's going to go in because of it. That's going to, uh, really hurt somebody and unfortunately the club will be liable for that there's got to be some serious looking in the mirror about it because we as Tim said we can't carry on with it it's it, it's not only an embarrassment it's also dangerous if I was a member of uh, coaching staff at Southampton I would be recalling Ryan Finnegan from his loan because I would not want him playing on that pitch it's it's pretty like I'm like Tim. I'm not. I'm, I don't think I've been watching football for quite as long as Tim. Uh, but I remember you know people used to talk about pitchers. Uh, being really bad and you see pictures from the 70s and the 80s and you know play, playing in bogs and stuff we've moved away from that you know football doesn't get played on those pitches anymore and crew at the moment just feels like the exception like we're not going to anyone else and going oh god that pitch was disgraceful but I think every Rochdale fan would feel completely justified in saying we can't play football on that pitch Good. yeah I mean I've just looked at the, the games from yesterday and there's I've seen Salford's pitch, and I think Salford is up there with us. Um, but in the leagues, they've all got grass on. Whoops. Black Blackpool Beach. It's a joke. You can kind of accept it in the 80s when we trained at Sharrington School and things like that, where the, where players were, you know, the bodies were different and they were training on pitches like that every day. And it's it's, it's a little bit of a different climate. Now they're all playing on 5G AstroTurfs. It, it really is. It's, it's just a different world. And even football boots aren't made for it anymore. That... That, that, that's why I can only see somebody getting injured on it very soon. And it's a shame because, 
you know, up until, well, probably last season, the, the pitches really had improved. I remember going back to the season, got promoted, and it, it, was, it, it was pretty much green for the whole season. So what, whether staffing levels have changed or external companies have changed or process changed, I don't know. But whatever they're doing before, they've got to return to it because the pitch is shocking. And that's about as much as we can say about it. It's not even like we've had a bad winter. Do you know what I mean? It's probably only dropped below freezing about six times all winter. It, you know, it's not like some years we've had where it's been below freezing for, you know, six, eight weeks in a, you know, in the, without, without coming above freezing. It's been a relatively mild winter. So... I don't know why it's worse this year. The, um, the only defence I would give them on that is we had that period, didn't we, just before Christmas, I think the Leighton Orient game was called off and another one. Um, yeah, that was after Christmas, wasn't it? Mm. Um, but they, that was a, that was that was harsh frost and they probably just covered the pitch and it's had no, I'm, I'm no sort of groundsman or anything like that. your man for, for grass, but I imagine if They've covered the pitch for too long. The grass has just died, and they can't grow it. That would be the the science behind it. But even still, you're right. It's not. It's not been a harsh winter, and if we're not playing, you don't cover the grass. Just let it freeze over, and you know, fall naturally. So we are lucky having so a harsh winter because there would have been five or six more games called off. It's a miracle we've only we've only been able to remember two of them because that so that that pitch shouldn't survive anything above anything below a certain temperature. Just, just to be clear, Steve, going back a minute there, when you said Neil's your man for grass, uh, there's no <laughs> ulterior motive there. You do mean that literally. That is his job. <laughs> yeah. If you want to put that as a disclaimer on the pod, I don't want him to get a load of yeah. messages. Yeah, he's just started a new job. We don't want the police knocking around. No, let's let's not. Anyway. Give us okay. his number later, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Steve Dale, I'll come to you. There was a chance for Rio on the game uh, Tuesday night. I'd say the chance he had in the first half was even uh, easier uh, in the first half of the Rochdale game, but he didn't manage to take either. Yeah, he should have scored. Uh, I was, the way I sit in the main stand, I sit quite close to Steve, and I, I was on the halfway line, and everyone around me is sort of thinking it was in. So I can't imagine it was too far away, but yeah, it was It was point blank and he should have scored, which, which makes this, the one in the second half even more incredible, really, because that was... That was doubly a difficult chance, and he seems to take that with ease. Um, but I guess that's just where we're at with the mentality of these players that they just they don't fancy themselves in the positions like they should be doing. I, I've got no doubt about it that two, two years ago he scored that goal, but it's, it's just a sign of how little chances we've got and how much pressure is on every single opportunity that he missed it. Let's talk about the goal then. I know uh, you just mentioned it there. Tim wanted to talk about it when we are talking about the Warsaw game. Tim, I'm going to come to you because you are pretty much in line with that uh, the six-yard box and that end, aren't you, in the main stand? where you sit, I would argue easily the best footballing move of the game between Tabano and Finnegan to set it up. Well, you say easily the best move of the game. It was a brilliant move, but strangely, we actually had two or three really, really good passing moves during that game, which I kind of think hints at maybe better times to come when you consider the pitch and you know the rest of it. But yeah, it was a brilliant move. Um, the ball from Finnegan outside of the foot between the centre-half and the full-back to put Tabernet through. Um, Tabernet, who'd had a brilliant game, um, a very, very good cross. And um, look, I, I'm going to give Rio a lot of credit here. Um, he's a full-back playing on wide left. He got in the box in the first half, should have scored, but at least he got in the box. You know, We haven't had many midfielders doing that this season. He had another one where he was... 
he basically would have had a tap in and the keeper just took it off his head. I think that was another cross from Tavener about uh, five minutes into the second half. It was the one, um, was it Crawley, where he maybe got distracted by the fact that he was just about to hit the post and didn't finish it Hartlepool, off. Hartlepool, that was. Hartlepool, sorry. And then um, and then this one where he got on the end of it. And, th- and this was probably the hardest finish of the lot because although it was a superb cross from Tavener, the, the ball was behind him. He had to he had to go and fetch it and then steer it back towards goal. Um, and it was a brilliant header, brilliant header. Keeper had no chance. And yeah, at, at that point, you know, we put together a brilliant move, scored a brilliant goal, finally got our noses in front, and you thought, oh, well, this is now it's going to be a case of how many. Um, and unfortunately, that was really the high watermark of the, of the game. Yeah, Steve Davis, I'll come to you because I think I agree with Tim. Like we got ahead fairly late on in the second half and that's it. You know, they're bottom of the league, their heads are going to go down. So this might be a morale boosting home win for the Alex. Yes. I mean, if I'm honest, I had a feeling all yesterday that we wouldn't win the game, but I don't think until they scored their goal, I don't think they got anywhere near our box in the second half. Um, Now, whether that was because we come out on the front foot and and stop them getting there or because they are shite and they're going to get relegated, I don't know. But um, yeah, we've got in front. Probably disagree with Tim in, you know, in how many is it going to be? Because we were never going to score loads. But I thought it was time to see the game out, get another one and away we go. Absolutely didn't work out that way. Steve Dale, um, I would say there was about three or four chances for various crew players to deal with the goal when it did go in. You know, the initial cross that wasn't dealt with cleared and then the second cross that wasn't dealt with, it comes back off the post. There's not really a response. Is there anyone we can pin that down to, or is that just the case of that's just a team goal that's just that's that's, not wide awake? Yeah, I think it was really bad team defending from the first, the first moment to the last. And, and they Rochdale going down, and the way we played yesterday, we almost handed the silver platter to them, especially in the first half, where the game was very similar to the Colchester one, where the goalkeeper kept us in it early on, and then the only difference between the, the two game two. Um, games was the fact that Rochdale managed to scrape a goal. Uh, they, they threw everything at us, didn't they, for most of the first half, and they weren't good enough to score. For the, so, so that that to me is a warning sign that they're a very similar club to us. It's another club that's passed down that we've played hundreds of times over the years. Uh, they get small small crowds like we do, and they're going to go. So, you know, we, we made we, we made them look better than they should have been doing yesterday. And we need to improve very quickly because that was a very poor performance yesterday. Okay, just on that then, um, obviously I'm listening on iFollow and Pete Morrison, Graham McGarry made the point more than once that Rochdale weren't that bad. They certainly didn't look like a side bottom of the league. Is that how you saw it or is that a case of them trying to make us better than we are and actually we did okay? Because I, I just didn't believe them when they said that they weren't actually that bad. I thought they started off better than us, but I don't think that makes them a good side. I don't think they were as bad as Hartlepool when we played them, but but then again, Jamie Sterry did his best to hand the game to us straight away in that one. Uh, I, I think I think their their initial preparation was that we were there for the taking and they were just throwing everything at us. I think at the end of the game, they ended up with five up front or something like that, so they, they knew we were vulnerable. So maybe, maybe they've just been saving themselves for us a little bit in the way they were playing as opposed to being that bad. But I, I do believe they score goals Rochdale, and it looked like they were, you know, they had a little bit of something up front yesterday, but they just conceded millions. So, which seems to be the total opposite to us, where we don't score any and don't 
concede as many either. I think I would have predicted that, though, looking at it. If I didn't know that, if I didn't know that they score a few but let in more, I think watching them, you could see that every time that we had the ball up front, even in the first half when we weren't very good, they looked nervous. And, you know, I, I could defend against this crew strike force. So that there's no need for them to be nervous. Um, but you could see that that's what it was. But going forward, you know, they've, they've got some good players. Well, I mean, Ian Henderson is, he must be approaching 65 now. I don't know how how old he really is. Um, okay, I want to talk about a few players then. Uh, we mentioned him making his debut against uh, Warsaw, keeping a clean sheet. No clean sheet this time, but Tim, the greatest save you've ever seen, I think, was the, the claim that you made yesterday. First one was absolutely incredible. I mean, I, I don't think the camera, having seen it back, does it justice. Um, their left midfielder hits a shot and Devante Rodney deflects it. And Beadle's already gone. And I think the initial shot would have been low down to his left. And Rodney deflects it up into the towards the top right corner. And he, he changes direction in midair somehow manages to um, contort his body round and flick the ball with his right hand, which, I mean, it is pretty much going in the, in the, in the top corner, onto the bar. It was just an absolutely breathtaking save. And, yeah, I think it's well up there with the best I've ever seen. You know, I remember a few from Dean Grey Goose and Mark Gale and people like that. But this, you know, um, Keaton at Blackburn, some amazing saves there. But this one was just simply incredible. Superb, superb save. And there was a couple of uh, saves straight after that. You know, he got up, he he dealt with the rebound, and then he did another one from the corner, I think, as well. So the first minute or so, he's banging the action, and he's uh, he's been superb, I would say. I mean, I agree. I did watch it on the TV camera, and it did look superb for me. Steve Davis, I'm going to come to you for the next player I want to talk about, someone that I think is now starting to look like a consistent first-team player and starting to look like he's getting to grips with men's football in a slightly changed role, Joel Tabiner, did you did you agree? I think he had a really good game yesterday. Yeah, I think he the last since he's come back in um, against Hartlepool, um, he's looked a different. It looks like he's got a bit more confidence about him. I think maybe taking him out of the team is the right thing to do. Um, but also playing him, he played in the middle, didn't he? At back end of Harrogate and Warsaw, and he started in the middle yesterday. Um, he looks. He looks like he's going to be a decent player. Um, and we're a better team with him in there, like him and Finnegan. We're, we progressed the ball so much better with those two in there. And that's only going to give him confidence. So I know he was pushed back out to the right yesterday, which obviously set up the goal. But I don't mind him out there either on the right on the right hand side. Um, he can be a threat at wing back and also in the middle. So um, it's good to see his come back with a bit of confidence and starting to show what he can do. Yeah, an assist for the goal yesterday. And I, you know, I realistically you'd say he should have two because that first Rio chance is easier and if you're going to score the second one score the first one score the first Steve Dale I'll come to you for the last one and I apologize to everybody this feels like a broken record but without concrete rod that was 2-1 Watchdale and we'd thrown the game away in the last minute I think McDonald saved about four goals yesterday uh he, he has easily been the signing that we that's been the most probably the most underwhelming that we made, but has easily been, been the best. And I would be inclined to expect them to 
give him a deal ASAP because there is no chance that he's not going to have interest, whether it's local or not. That 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 clearance off the line yesterday was unbelievable. It was probably level with Beadle's save because that was... If Rochdale were going to stay, have any chance of staying up, that was the moment yesterday that goal went in. And he, yeah, he's... All, all the plaudits that come his way are, are all deserved because he's he's been very similar to Eddie Nolan in the fact that he's coming in underwhelmingly and he's by far he's been by far our best player this season. He had a superb game yesterday in general, but you could tell how good that clearance was because the rest of the defence celebrated it like a goal. It was. That's how, that, that's how it felt for us. It, it did literally save the game. There aren't, there, aren't many, there, aren't many, there aren't many situations in a game where you say that, that something prevents something from happening, whether some makes a good or not. But that that but that did genuinely that did genuinely, you know, save the game from our point of view yesterday. It was that good. I thought he should have scored. I think it's a simple ball across the box and tap the ball in. Don't get me wrong, he was brilliant and he did what he should have done, but they should have scored. Okay, we've talked about a few players. There's one we need to talk about who didn't get to the end of the game. Steve Davis, I'll come to you for it. Um, I was watching on iFollow yesterday. I was slightly behind the action. Tim had actually already texted to say, lucky not to get a straight red just for the second one. That, it was a shocker, wasn't it? When you're already on a yellow, the ball's, I mean, it's gone to the other side of the pitch. Yeah, he, you can't argue about the yellow card. Um he will learn from it. He's been all right um, in that three. What I would say, and there's a member of this parish, parish who is very quiet on the situation, he should be playing the right side of centre-half. 15 minutes, 20 minutes in today, Robertson had been butts. Connor O'Reilly had been butts. You're asking for trouble on that right-hand side, I think. He should have switched him at half-time at the very latest. To go and play in the centre of defence and put upward on the right, concrete on the left. Um, I know people have been banging on about it, but it's that's fairly obvious to see. So, unfortunately, he's going to have to take his his medicine. He's going to be out for a game, learn from it. Didn't really help the situation yesterday. Probably ended any chance of us going to get a winner. Um, but yeah, he's been decent. He's, he's I like him, but. He, He's going to have to take his medicine on that one. Yeah, the good thing with Alex is whenever he makes a point that's valid, he he will just keep quiet and, you know, he, he won't need the, the glory and the justification. Yeah, 3,000 3, people in the main stand didn't hear that yesterday either. So. Just, I guess, the only thing in... I mean, I, I agree. I think Reardon should have been in the middle and offered on the right and McDonald on the left. But the only thing is, McDonald's doing such a brilliant job in the middle of the three that, you know, and he is the most experienced of the three, that putting him out on the left, does kind of weaken the middle a little bit. Um, that's the only slight justification I've, I've got for the fact that he's kept it as it is. Okay. Uh, I'm going to finish there with the Watchdale game with one final question. We are now five unbeaten. Um, Steve Dale, does this feel like a team? Does this feel like a club, a supporters base of a team that is five unbeaten? And if not, why not? No, I, I, I can't say. I, I can't say it is. I'd love to say any different. I, I, I agree with the point last week that I, I don't see where this trend, where the transition in this is coming from. This, this season now was always going to be a transition team from the team that finished last season as bad as it did, and the one that we hope is going to be going to build around. But I don't see where that transition is coming from, uh, in the style of play or anything that we're actually doing. It feels to me that we just, we just sort of like lost focus a little bit. 
It did, did, did you understand what I'm saying about that? You're a bit confused. Like, I feel like we've lost a bit of a uh, bit yeah, of vision of where we want to be. It doesn't feel like there's any sort of succession plan with it all. Like, I remember when we, we struggled under Artel in League Two when he first took over, it felt like you at least knew what the plan was, even if we were sitting in there and struggling a little bit. I, I don't see that now. I feel, I feel a little bit like they don't know what to do. It feels a little bit we, uncertain, really. We do. I mean, there's, there's obviously a lot of mitigating circumstances. We've been shafted with injuries in terms of key players, long CBR, obviously. But it almost feels that we are in survival mode just for this season. We are literally just trying to get out, get through the season and sort of wait for next season and get rid of the deadwood, etc. But I think Steve's right. We have lost focus. And there's, you see little bits of patterns of play, but you don't, again, the pitch probably play an issue in that. But we don't always see what we're trying to do. Um, and if I'm honest, I'm pretty much I'm ready for the season to finish now. I walked out yesterday and that's, well, I bought my train tickets to Sutton, but that's a different story. But the, I, there's nothing to look forward to now for the rest between now and the end of the season. Maybe CBR coming back, but yeah, there's not much to look forward to, honestly. As good as Chris Long is, and we all saw that last season, he's not going to play for us again. But we shouldn't be in a situation. We shouldn't have been in a situation now where we're thinking, "Oh, if we had we had long, we'd, we'd have a better team." We should be thinking, "Well, if you know, we should be thinking, oh well, there's a position for Connor Evans to move into and build, build that way." It doesn't feel like we've really got that plan. Even with Tabner coming into the team now, it doesn't feel like that was a succession plan for him to come in. It feels like you know Mainly hasn't played very well, so we'll, we'll give him a go and see how that go that works out. I, I I just want to sort of have that. I just want to be able to watch the game and have that vision that something is better is on the horizon. I just, I just don't feel like it's coming. Whether that, whether that's in the managerial planning or what, it just feels a little bit bland, really. I just think it's impossible to look forward in any positive, meaningful way about, you know, what might be just over the horizon when the pitch is so bad. You know, you, you could put Tabiner and Holacek either side of CBR as your long-term vision, maybe even Ainley as a number 10 behind. And, you know, that on paper as the the makings of a decent team moving forward. But what are they supposed to do on this pitch? You know, you can't expect any positive football at all ever on this pitch. So, you know, unless we're going to draw all our home games nil-nil and win our away games, then, you know, even if we are playing decent football, it's just, just don't see, don't see any, anything happening on this pitch. It's just impossible. Okay, next we'll turn our attention to the Sutton game. But first, the women's team were back in cup quarterfinal action against Cheadle. Here's how they get on. Okay, so we're here following the conclusion of the League Cup match versus Cheadle Town Stingers. A good competitive match, but it finished with a 3-0 loss for the Alex women. We've got Matt Fisher here just to talk for his uh, opinions of the game. So, Matt, what, what what did you think? Yeah, you know, we've um, we've done really well today. I know it looks very one-sided, losing 3-0. But um, we didn't deserve that scoreline. We made two big errors in the second half, you know, conceding the penalty. And the other one, the third goal, quite soon after it. And that just takes away that competitive element. But for large parts of that game, we've we've matched and, and better in some parts, um, better the, the other team. They're a great side. We've changed the shape today to match them because we have to, because um, they're so good at what they do and play players out of position and um, done really well. You know, young Emma at, at right wing back's done 
absolutely superb 16-year-old, putting a great shift. Um, so disappointed that we, we we should have been chasing to get something from the game late on, and ultimately it was it, 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 the game had gone by that point, which is disappointing. But <clears throat> lots of positives. Uh, you mentioned three nil, uh, probably a little bit harsh, but there was a couple of sort of late chances there that you're thinking if they go in, it's possibly a different story. One arguably definitely should have ended up in the back of the net. Do you think the new shape worked in how you were looking to get out of the game or not? I don't think we created as much as as we normally do. Um, Oh, there was reasons for that. We said playing wing backs, we're not as on the front foot. We can't expect our wing backs to get back up forward, back and forward. Sorry, um, as quickly as sometimes we move the ball with our four-three-three formation. Normally, we're quite intense, quite in your face. The ball goes in the final third, and we're at you. I, I think that was the plan was to slow it down a little bit today to allow us to create them overloads. That was the plan, and unfortunately, we didn't do that enough. So we got the ball in the final third and found we were quite quickly crowded out. So that's a little bit disappointing. We didn't create enough clear-cut chances. Having said that, we probably, you know, take away the two mistakes. And I suppose any team that's lost is going to say take away the mistakes. But we take away the two mistakes. We've had enough to get something out of that game. You know, we've we've missed a good chance, and that, that happens in football. Also had a good chance in the first out. The keeper saved well. So obviously not a game we've had loads of chances in, but but they haven't. Do you know what I mean? Hannah's not had to to bail us at all today. You know, they've conceded. We've conceded three goals and. That was probably the three chances. I think Hannah made one save other than that. So, yeah, like I say, disappointed that the 3-0 looks 3-0. But ultimately, whether it's 1-0 or 10-0, you're still going out of the cup, aren't you? Um, and you've mentioned there, obviously, we're out of this cup. Uh, are still, we have still got the county cup coming up, hopefully, um, to progress on there. And the league to finish off as well. Looking forward into the season, what, what are you sort of looking to try and get out of these next few games? Well, we've been unbeaten since since last year, so we've not lost since Christmas, um, and we need to we, we need to um, try and go on that little mini run again. Now we've got um, I think four league games, four tough league games um, that we're going to try and take maximum points out. We, we believe we can. It's, that's not that's not like a, a false belief. We believe we're good enough to take maximum points out of that. And then obviously in the semi-finals, County Cup's going to be tough now. Some big teams in it. Mac, Mac FC, a, a, a well-funded club, and are doing really well. They'll be tough, whoever draws them. Stockport National League and, and, and Tramia top side, as we know. So um, the, the aim is really to, to go unbeaten now, including the cup competitions. You know, that would be seen as successful after the start that we had to the season, the injuries we've had. You know, you know, Grice's had some really bad luck today. It's heartbreaking to see that. And we've also lost Kerris for a very, very long time due to an ACL injury. So I think uh, the message to the girls was after the game that there's, there's bigger problems out there. As much as that hurts today, um, there was positives, and um, the the fact that you know young Kerris and Gricey are out for so long now is upsetting. Well, um, obviously looking forward to these next few games, and hoping those girls can come back as soon as possible. Thanks, Tom. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate. Okay, Steve Davis, I'm going to come to you first. We've got Sutton on Saturday, a Tuesday off. Similar to Rochdale, it feels like a long time ago since we went, uh, since, since we played them and won that game back in August. Yeah, and first and foremost, I think it's good. We need the break. I think the players were dead on their feet at, at Warsaw and yeah, they were probably dead on their feet yesterday. So it'd be good for them to get a break. Um, does seem a long time ago. The sun was out. There was grass on the pitch, and we had a bit of optimism. So, obviously, a lot's changed since then. Um, 
we've now got a run of games, I think, where we don't play anyone around us. I think everyone that we play in the next few weeks are all in sort of top 10. So we've got a, a difficult run of fixtures coming up. Steve Dale, I remember that night uh, we played Sutton. It felt like a slog, um, but I remember sort of framing it on the pod more as I think that was down to them and then making it a bit of a slog, their tactics, rather than anything to do with our ability. You know, we got the three points, the performances will come. I just don't think that's the case now. I think we can probably look back at that and say we might have played them at a good time or we one of our better results of the season. Going off topic slightly, I think the worst thing that happened to us in terms of our expectations was that we played out Rochdale and Harrogate first up because you can never judge how good or bad teams are because it's first game of the season. So um, in hindsight, they were two terrible teams that we started with. But I actually thought at the time that the sort of one was the best result of the whole month in August when we started pretty well. Um, but as you rightly say, if, if they made it a bit of a slog, that's my fear for Saturday, really. They're, they're at, I believe they're top of the form table going into this game, which you know is a great time for us to be playing them. They're just outside the playoffs. It's going to be a tight ground with quite sort of hostile, hostile fans the shows get with the London club. Um, and I feel it's going to be it's going to be a battle for us. So I don't. Um, I think we'll, I, I'll, I'll take a draw now if I'm off of it. I think. Yeah, Tim, Steve sort of just talked over these things, but I'll, I'll say them again anyway. They are ninth. They're two points out of the playoffs. They've won three on the bounce. If you look at the form table being 10 games, they are top of it. There's no chance they're going into this game thinking they're not going to win, is there? Well, I think, moreover, they haven't been beat at home since November the 12th. And I think they've won six of the last eight home games. Um, and yeah, I, I remember playing them at home and, you know, I, th- I thought they were the the hardest, dirtiest, most long ball team I'd, I'd seen in quite some time. Um, I specifically remember them trying to boot Callum Ainley off the pitch in the first half um, and not just foul him, properly kick him up in the air. Um, so, yeah, I think we'll see more of that on Saturday. I think if we get anything from the game, it'll be um, it'll be extremely good result. But, yeah, I'd, I'd happily take a nil-nil or a one-all now. So I'm not predict, or I'm not feeling that there's going to be some positive predictions. So I'm going to jump straight to them right now. Tim, did you say nil nil one all? Which one are you going to go with? Uh, that's what I take. I think more realistically, two nil defeat. Okay, Steve Dale. I was going to say two nil defeat, so I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to have to change it up. So I'm going to go one nil defeat. And Steve Davis. Um, I read this morning that they haven't scored three goals for months and months and months. You can do your own research into that. So. Sounds familiar. There's only going to be one score and it's going to be 3 0. Two Sutton. <laughs> just to clarify, a home win. Yeah, just in case in case anyone got confused. But yeah. Okay. I spoke to Mike from the Sutton podcast to find out his thoughts on their season so far. Hi, Mike. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi. Yeah. Thanks for having me again. Welcome back to Mike. <laughs> yeah, not a problem. Um, so we'll start with our first meeting in August. It ended 1-0, uh, 1-0 win for Crew. What were your thoughts on the game? What was your thoughts on Crew at that point? Um, I I remember I was looking it up and I thought that seemed like an early goal because I remember us feeling like hard done by um, in that game and we felt probably we could have at least grabbed a point. Um, but we, we were struggling at that time. We had... Uh, start of our injuries and um we we were struggling for bodies and we did have a bit of a a bit of a a spell where we were 
losing games that we probably should have grabbed the point out of and so on. But we, we hung in there and we seem to have come out the other side now. So <laughs> that's all good. Uh, but yeah, you guys, uh, I've noticed uh, you're drawing a lot recently. <laughs> we definitely are. Um, so yeah, you just said that you've come out the other side. Obviously, the season's developed a fair bit since then. We're going to be playing, uh, I think it's March when we're playing our second game, a long time away from August. Um, sort of been going on quite well, haven't they? Yeah, so as, as I said, we 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 had a few injuries to, to key players and long-term injuries, and it was a, a strange thing where our main centre-back, that sounds harsh, but he won all the player awards last year. He, he got injured in the first sort of 25 minutes of the season, so we um, played our, our second pairing, and then one of them got injured, so we ended up playing our right-back at centre-back and a right-winger at right-back, and we were shuffling it around quite a lot, and there, there was a lot, wasn't wasn't quite there. And then two of our midfielders were injured as well. Uh, so we had to call back someone who was on loan at Conference South and he came in for a while. So we were just kind of really fighting and scrapping for everything. But now everyone's come back and their big players all coincided with January-ish, this late December, early January. So it, it gave us all the new signing boosts, but not actually having new signings because we haven't got any money. Um, but the, uh, the the players gave us a nice boost and we, we've got a strong team back. We've got a spine of a team back and they are just playing with a confidence and a swagger at the moment, which is very nice to see, to be honest. Now, I had a look um, this morning at Sutton. There's a lot of goal scorers in your squad. I believe there's 14 players that have scored goals this season. <laughs> but yeah. none of them have scored more than six. Is that a concern or do you see that as a positive? The, the number of goals we scored this year is, is down, uh, definitely down. But even last year, I think our top scorer got 10. And again, it was spread all around. There's loads of people, I think, on sevens and eights. Um, we do prefer it that way. Um, and certainly the manager, Matt, prefers it that way um, because you're not relying on one person to score the goals because again if, you, if you're relying on one player a we're not going to keep him for very long so if we've got someone who scores 30 goals he'll be gone um and b if something does happen to that player you, you're not it's not your entire focus oh god so and so's out what are we going to do so we we do like to spread it out a little bit also people don't necessarily know where to focus because obviously we've got Dave Adjaboy back on loan very very um high profile for us and he gets the ball everyone's on their feet having a look um Teams tend to double up on him, triple up sometimes, um, which then frees up other players elsewhere to pop up and, and score a goal too. And we've just started to become a, a, another threat at set pieces again. Um, Matt mentioned to me a few weeks ago that he felt we weren't being a threat at set pieces, probably because of the players who were out injured. He said, now they're coming back, a team to having to look and think, well, hang on, who am I going to pick up? There's four or five players that are, are, are big, big players that you think, well, you got to aim for the big fella, and it's like, well, which one? Which one is it? Um, so yeah, we like to spread them around a little bit. Would like a bit more than than just the, the threes and sixes, uh, but it's not a massive concern. I know some people do do still rank them. They want the thirty goal a season striker, but I live in the real world, and we'd have him for six months. So fair enough. Um, ninth at the moment, Mike. Two points <laughs> off the playoffs. Is this the season you go a little bit better than last year? What's the current thought process? <laughs> this this answer would very much depend on where you asked us in the season. Earlier in the season, we were like, do you know what? Let's just, let's just get through to the 22. That's fine. That's fine. No problem. 
then we kept on picking up clips, kept on picking up something. It was a bit of a laugh. And I just said it because I'm very positive on the podcast and I, I try to always put a positive light. And I said for a bit of a laugh, we're going to get into the playoffs. We'll be fine. We'll make it. And then they just started grinding out the results and the run started and they started moving forward. And when I when I spoke to Matt a few weeks ago, I sort of said, oh, we're, we're three games behind where we were last year in relation to getting to that magic 50 points because we're very much on the, on the 50-point mantra. And he said, oh, was it only three games? And then I sort of had a look and went, oh, yeah, we need we need to do it by the Newport game. Um, if you could sort that out for me, that would be lovely. And they did. So <laughs> I now look like a genius. Uh, but, yeah, we, we, we're hoping to get into playoffs, but we're, we're one of those teams that... If we don't, we don't. We move on. We, we're playing at the highest level we've ever played in 125 years of history, which is the birthday at the weekend you visit. Mm. Uh, so we, we're we quite realistic in our expectations. None of us are going to cry if we don't make the playoffs. But yeah, we very much would like to make the playoffs because it is a step up from last year because we missed out by one single point last year. Okay, Mike, final question for me. Uh, what's the score going to be on Saturday? <laughs> There's going to be a lot of distractions. As I say, there's some lots of events planned um, for the, the the 125th birthday. Uh, so I think there'll be a lot of distractions, but Matt is very, very, very good, very, very clear. Um, he's made, in his post-match comments from yesterday, clear that he's everything else is gone. He's concentrating on you guys, and then he's concentrating on Crawley the next day. Uh, next game, sorry, Tuesday. Um, so I... I think we're going to do a nice professional job. I think we will uh, at least reverse the fixture the, the, from last year's fixture, last earlier season's fixture one 0 But I reckon we'll probably uh, probably a bit more exciting. We'll say two one. <laughs> Mike, thank you for your time. Right, last thing I want to talk about this week then is the low moves with Nantwich. We've got. Steve Davis, I'll come to you. We've got Sean Lawton coming back and Connor Evans moving to Nantwich. Happy with these moves? Um, surprise, happy probably isn't the emotion. Surprise, I think, is the first one. Um, I don't understand the rules around loans within the non-league, so forgive me, but I don't understand why it means um, Sean Lawton has to come back to us. Um, whether they've got too many loans, I don't know. Um, Nantwich are in a dogfight. They haven't won many games this season, so and it, they're also lower than Marine where Connor was earlier in the season. So, yeah, it, it's a surprising one. I think is is my initial thoughts. Um, doesn't really bode well. I suppose he's going to get games. That's positive for Connor. Um, if he's not going to get in front of what we've got at the minute, which is another question, um, then he may as well go and play somewhere else. But yeah, surprise. I think. It's, I've got to be honest, I thought he was closer to the first team than what he obviously is. Because, <laughs> I mean, like, that's, we, we, we can all guess who Steve means when he says certain options available. Sitting on the bench, he's getting minutes instead of him. So he must be, he must be a long, long way off if he's been learned to answer to this stage, especially in the position they're in. Presuming we offered them Sambu first and they, they turned him down, so um, we offered him Evans <laughs> instead. Wasn't quite the standard that they desired. They need goals, Tim. That's the problem. They need goals to stay <laughs> up, and we weren't guaranteed that with Sambu. So, so uh, Connor Evans wasn't getting in the Marine team. So, um, yeah, I, I, personally, I don't see either of them making it at, at Crew, um, Lawton, or or Evans. I think if they were going to, they'd be in our, or Sambu, yeah, yeah. But I think <laughs> if they were going to, they'd have, they'd have been in our first team by now. 
Is it, the, I mean, we've all talked about the fact that it's Evans moving there. It, is it a possibility we've asked Lawton to come back for defensive cover and then we've offered them Evans as a, sorry, we're taking him Sweetener. back. Would you like this one instead? Deal. Um, I went to, um, this isn't a slight on Sean, Lund. I went to watch it on Twitch when we had a game called off, it was a Stockport game and he wasn't brilliant. Nantwich got beat 4-0 that day and he and Tom Booth, in fairness, didn't cover themselves in glory. So I'd be surprised if that is the option. Um, we've got Rio and Tariq that can play left side. So, yeah, I'd be surprised if that is that is the plan. Maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. Lastly then, um, Steve Dale. Evans is gone, I think it's for the rest of the season. Uh, quite a few comments that I've been seeing, uh, you know, we're talking about getting to the point where crew are safe enough that we can just start playing our players, our academy players coming through. Uh, Mateus Holicek seems to be the next one off the rank at the top. I think you've already sort of alluded to, but it doesn't look like Connor Evans has really felt like he's going to be making it in the crew first team if he's then gone off to Nantwich now. Yeah, this is the point I was trying to make before. Is that, that that's that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see the transition for these players coming into the team. I've, I've, I'm a big advocate for the academy at the best of times, but I just I just feel like that this is now the time to sort of look like a crew team, if you like. I just I, I don't I just don't see it with this management team. I, I don't see where that's coming in. It just feels like I've, I said it. I said it earlier, so I'm repeating myself. It just feels a little bit sort of like aimless. It just feels like we're going from one game to the next without any sort of long term planning. Um, and if these if these players aren't making it, um, I'm talking Connor Evans. I'm talking about Holotech, supposed to be highly fancied, I believe. So, if if he is highly fancied, get him in the team. If not, then then move him on. Uh, we, we we can't go through these circles of keeping players until the 22, 23, like we have with, with certain other players that we all that we all, all know and love. It's just it's just unproductive. Either start them or get rid of them. I I, I don't see the point in doing you know in keeping them around. If they're not going to make it. Okay, last question then, Steve Davis. How safe is safe enough? Uh, well, what are we 12 points? I think 12 points away from Crawley, 13 with the goal difference. But we have got some minging fixtures coming up. I think we've got some really toughies. That's not very good English, is it, Stu? So I apologise. Uh, it's fine. Uh, I haven't heard the word of a t- minging for quite some time. Where I live, it's not a word that's used very often in uh, common parlance. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. So apologies for the, the choice of... of no, I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, we've got some pretty rotten fixtures coming up. So it's... Theoretically, we should be safe. Do you, will, Crawley crawl, will Crawley crawl 13 points back on us? No. But if we lose... The chances are we could lose the next four quite easily on the bounce. And then we're looking over our shoulders again. Um, and then you're not putting Holocheck in the team. You're not, you know, again, we'll go back into survival mode. So it's going to be an interesting month for sure. Can I just add that in the time we've been doing this podcast, one for people to laugh at tomorrow that Carl Robinson's leaving his job at. I've uh, just seen it. <laughs> so I think that's one for people to enjoy. Breaking news on the Railway Men podcast Carl Robinson has gone. What a. What an absolute. Right, okay, that will do us for another pod. Tim, Steve, and Steve, thank you for coming on today. Thanks for having me. Thank you. 
thank you as ever for listening. We'll be back next Monday to go through the Sutton game. Until then, goodbye. Dang, 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 ding, dong, ding, blue.